Miguel Aziz's first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path of Smithrow, into the box. Smithrow scores! A really deserved first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. Hello and welcome to another episode of Away From Hale End. Glad to be back during this international break when we've had youngsters playing for every level, basically, of their national teams from senior on down to the U-17s. But to kick it off, you gotta love the international break for so many reasons, and by love I mean absolutely despise it. But the things that I've seen this week on Twitter are just shocking and it happens every international break and it must just be a boredom thing but it is just so hysterical i mean just a couple of the things that i've seen this week that i just want to throw out there as absurd i mean i don't even know where to start for for starters i mean how about the tite taking over for arteta in 2023 rumor that started out of brazil i mean who runs with these stories who picks them up and actually runs with them because there was never even going to be an ounce of truth from that. That would be the exact opposite way the club has been moving for three years. Like, people really lose their minds that quickly when Arsenal doesn't play for like six days. I mean, this is we're talking about eight days into the international break, and I have a whole list here I'm looking at. I'm only going to talk about a few, but I just find it so funny. I mean, just to keep going, I, I saw a whole argument about how Kulisevsky is better than Saka. What is he better at? Name one thing he's better at, please. I mean, like, I actually rate Kulisevsky. I think he's a very talented player, but he, what, I mean, how about the the day where everyone was talking about how Calvert-Lewin has a done deal to Arsenal already? Like, I mean, the Arsenal rumors about transfers have kind of stopped because Arteta got rid of all the people in the staff and in the backroom who were leaking these things. Like, there was a rumor that Lacazette and Nketiah are both signing two-year deals. Like, who... Wh- People are just that bored? How about Tierney to Madrid for $50 million? I would be absolutely flabbergasted if Kieran Tierney is not an Arsenal player next year for so many reasons. Uh, I mean, first of all, for years we're crying out for a lack of good wingbacks in our side, and now we're going to sell the first guy who's been consistent in any level since Nacho Monreal. Like, it's just crazy. People just lose their minds when Arsenal don't play for a week. I mean, I do too, but I don't go down the rabbit hole of creating rumors that aren't true or, like, perpetuating those. I don't know. I find it hysterical. I mean, we have another week until Arsenal play again or six days, whatever, so I'm sure we'll get a lot of other funny things to come, but I, I just wanted to open it up with that because I can't be the only one who finds this to be so funny. Um, also, sorry... If I sound a little nasally, I'm go- I got a little viral infection going. So, you know, got to play through it. Got to work through it. It is what it is. Uh, another strange thing just about this international break before we get into the nitty-gritty of it all. A little strange that Miguel Aziz and Amari Hutchinson didn't receive uh, youth call-ups from the England squads. I mean, Aziz was in that U20 squad pretty regularly into the last two international breaks. And Amari Hutchinson, the fact that he can't get in, I mean, he's basically the best player in the you know, the Premier League 2 division, so a little odd he's not getting call-ups, but I guess it is what it is. Uh, And then obviously we had a bunch of senior players who featured Odegaard, Ben White, Emile Smith-Rowe, Thomas Partey bringing Ghana to the World Cup, Mohamed Elneny unfortunately going out of the World Cup qualifications, Martinelli getting his Brazil call-up, 
Kieran Tierney scoring his first international goal. Xhaka played, obviously. Pepe scored a beautiful goal against France. And Saliba made his international debut and started his first game for France, which is very exciting. Obviously, some people are turning that into a negative thing, but what are you going to do? You can't please everybody, right? But very exciting time for the first team players as well. I mean, I can't remember the last time Arsenal had this many players represented across the world in, in senior squads. So it just shows really a sign of improvement overall because the players are really being recognized. And obviously, Saka, Ramsdale, and uh, Gabrielle also were all called up to their first teams, but um, due to a multitude of different reasons, were unable to play over the international break. But of course, there were a ton of HLN players who got to represent their countries in some way, shape, or form over this international break, and will continue to as we have a few days left in it. But for starters, Fowler and Balagoon is just absolutely on top of the world right now. He is just brimming with confidence. I mean, we, we've talked about it every week now, but it's just really amazing how round and complete of a player he's become. I mean, his two matches this week that he played, the the one against Andorra and the one against Albania, he played basically completely different roles as a number nine like he was still playing as a sole striker but he occupied different spaces and that just shows how intelligent of a footballer he is against Andorra he was very much involved in build-up coming back he was getting out wide and I mean I'm sure you guys saw that video I posted of that nasty Meg he had but he was just really getting the ball to feet and making things happen and he scored you know a nice striker's goal off of a beautiful cross from Livermento uh but I mean he was excellent in that game overall he played the full 90 minutes Two shots on target, he had two successful dribbles, three key passes, and a big chance created. He won over half of his ground duels and was fouled twice to create dangerous positions. I mean, he was just a menace finding space between the center backs, between the two lines. He just really is showing his versatility as an all-around striker and obviously got a goal to boot. So that was a wonderful showing. I mean, obviously the England U21 setup right now is bursting with talent. I mean... You see some of those players, I mean, they would be representing the senior teams for most countries in the world. I mean, Jacob Ramsey is a stellar player. But Balagoon really, really had an excellent game against Andorra, and then he comes out against Albania, and again, as a sole striker, but he kind of operates in a completely different fashion. He was mostly finding room off the back shoulder of the center backs, running in behind. That's how he scored two goals in that game. So we're talking about three total goals in two games uh, in this England U21 setup. And he had three shots on target. Again, he had a key pass and was fouled twice in dangerous areas. And, I mean, both goals, as I said, came from running in behind. He was, Morgan Gibbs-White both times found him running in behind. And, you know, one-touch one goals and just passed the keeper, poked it around him. I mean, these aren't necessarily the goals you think of when you think of Balagoon. You usually think of him receiving the ball to feet and making something happen in the box or, you know, whatever it might be. But these are real strikers' goals as well, and he's... The loan just came at a perfect time, is really what I'm trying to say. Like, I actually think it was good that he got that confidence up in the U23 level now that he's so clearly superior to that level, then went out to Middlesbrough where he's found a good amount of success, both goal scoring and just as an overall player, and then obviously just finding his comfort zone with a lot of guys he's very good friends with on the U21 setup in, in England and really just banging goals and, and, and putting in stellar performances. And following these two wins for England, they're second in their qualifying group for the European twenty one under-21 championships. Uh, but they do have two games in hand behind the Czech Republic, so you, you would expect them to catch them and probably win the group the way that they're playing. Another player who has just had an 
outrageously great year and and one we don't I don't talk about enough and that's really on me is Marcelo Flores. I mean, he is one of the most talented youth players in the world. I mean, he was recognized for that obviously in that most recent next gen article that came out that ranked him as the 48th most talented under 20 player in the world, but I mean, he might be even higher up. I mean, his physical ability is really hard to replicate and if he puts that together with the way he's grown tactically and technically over the last year I mean he's probably the next player to really burst into the first team setup I mean at the beginning of the year and even until January I probably would have said Hutchinson but man Marcelo Flores is like the real deal he started three games for the Mexico under 20s two against the Uruguay under 20s and one against Peña Rose under 20s all friendlies obviously but man his performances against those two Uruguayan teams were outrageous on top of the two goals he scored against Uruguay in the final game that they played. I mean, his first goal was just fabulous. He really does remind me of, like, Hazard. He has that low center of gravity. The ball is just on a string on his foot. And his ability to use both feet to finish... And to find teammates is just spectacular. I mean, he can finish low and hard. He can finish high with a curling effort. He's just really, really, really good. Like, I wish there was a better way of saying it than that. He is just so versatile. And he has all the tricks in his bag that you'd want. It was amazing to watch. Like, he had a Rabona cross that should have been an assist. The attacker headed it off the crossbar. I mean, he got fouled three, four, five times in dangerous areas. He can use both feet to such success. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I know he's naturally right-footed, but his left foot is demonous as well. And he can pick up the ball anywhere on the pitch and make something happen. He picks up the ball in his own third. He gets the ball advanced to the final third. He picks up the ball in the final third. He gets into the final decision areas in the box. He creates goals. He scores goals. He can do it with every part of his body. He can play across the left to right sides. Is he a number 10? Is he a winger? I'm not sure. He's everything. It's really fantastic to watch. And I 100% have changed my opinion that he is going to be the next one to be a crucial part of the Arsenal first team setup. I think he's a player Arteta is going to like a lot because of his versatility. And you're going to see him play quite a bit next season, I think. So I don't think you'll see him go on loan. I don't think he needs to improve his physical ability and get used to first team football. I think he's ready to play. And I'm surprised that he didn't get called up to the senior Mexico squad for this break as he did in the previous one. So we'll just keep an eye on that for the next international break. But really excellent play by him. And he's a gem. He's a real, real gem that Arsenal have. I mean, the physical players Arsenal have at this level is a little bit, like, shocking. Arsenal has always had the tactical ability in Hale End, and that's what they teach. But they haven't always had the physical specimens. But now with players like Flores, Balogun, Brooke Norton Cuffey, even Tyrese John-Jules, these are, like, diamonds in the rough when it comes to finding physical specimens at such a young age. So it's really exciting. And speaking of Brooke Norton Cuffey... Talk about a guy who just continues to impress week by week. He played three times for England under-19s this week. We obviously already spoke about the game against the Republic of Ireland last week where he played 77 minutes and really was dominant in that right-wing area as they went on to beat uh, Ireland 3-1. But he played twice more uh, in a 4-0 win against Armenia and a 2-0 win against Portugal as they topped their group and qualified for the European Under-19 Championships. 
He played 77 minutes against Armenia, helping them keep a clean sheet. And, you know, this game was... I was unable to watch it. Uh, they, it wasn't on television anywhere. But from what I read and have spoken to people who were there, it does seem like he was the same old Brooke Norton Coffee, you know. It's just at that level, he's just going to be so physically dominant that no one's gonna really, really going to be able to do much down that side that he's defending. And that's why... He was sent out on loan, and unfortunately, he did miss a game that Lincoln City played uh, away to Shrewsbury Town, but obviously, what a joy for him to represent his country at any level. Uh, and then against Portugal, that was a game I actually was able to watch uh, and was televised. He had assisted a goal with just an, a ridiculous cross. I mean, I know people are always talking about his physical ability, and I, I'm one as well who does, but his ability to cross the ball low and hard and directly into the right areas is next to none. If you remember, when Saka first burst onto the scene, that was what kind of showed everyone how intelligent of a footballer he was. He didn't just cross the ball into the area and get lucky. He was playing the ball into the area where his striker was going to get there first, and the defender wasn't going to be able to react in time, right? It's kind of just behind the defender, so they're moving backwards. They're not going to be able to get there as fast as an attacker moving forwards, and Brooke sees that. Not only does he see it, but he already has the ability to play that ball. And, I mean, Dane Scarlett just was served up on a platter to tap it in. I mean, it was just beautiful. And it's not like Norton Cuffey had already gotten all the way to the byline or beaten his defender so clearly that he had an easy way in. He does it from right around the top edge area of the box, that corner of the box, and then a little closer to the touchline. Beautiful cross, beautiful goal. Brooke Norton Cuffey... I mean, unfortunately, I don't know if he'll be playing with the England under-19s in the European Championships. He's probably too good for that. But obviously, a just huge pride moment for him to, to help qualify and, and beat Portugal. to that They needed that win to top the group. So England under-19s headed to the under-19 European Championships, uh, of course, with great thanks to Brooke. And he'll be back at Lincoln City soon and continue to roll with that loan spell. I mean, the more and more he impresses the more and more Arteta's going to have to rethink whether or not he really needs to bring in another right back. Not to mention Ben White played some excellent minutes at right back for England this week. So I think a lot of questions might be answered for Arteta without him having to even ask them, which is you know a big help to the transfer coup that will come this summer. Another right back to keep an eye on is Ruel Walters. He's... An interesting player to watch. He's not one that I had a big eye on going into the season just because Arsenal had a plethora of right-backs at Hale End, Ose Tutu, Alibiosu, obviously Brooke Norton Cuffey, who we've just spoken about. But all three of those guys went out on loan. Walters has stepped in as the right-back for the U23s at Hale End, and he's been rewarded with that. He's had great performances for the U23s, and now he got called up uh, for the England under-18s, which he had once before. Uh, in, in some friendlies, but he featured at right back in a 3-2 win against Sweden, and he played the match, and it wasn't televised, but again, from what I've seen and what I've read, it seems like he played quite well. He's a very interesting profile because he can also slot into like a more central midfield position, but clearly it does look like his future is at right back just based on the way he's progressed from the younger age groups till now, and at Arsenal, at the very least, they see him there, and then obviously you're seeing that with the England under-18s. But this is a great opportunity for him as well because likely he's going to be the starting right back for the U23s next season as well, assuming either Brooke or Alabiosu are given the chance with the first team, the other one will be sent out on loan. So 
a man who's taking his chances, and we'll see really how that goes for him. I mean, I wish I'd gotten to see this match a little more. I saw a bit of the highlights. He's not the most physical player, but he's actually quite good on winning those ta- uh, those ground duels and, and being strong and positioning quite well for a young player. Another young, young player who's been thriving with the Arsenal under-18s and now called up to the England under-17s is Mario Cozier-Dewberry, who scored a beautiful goal for the under-17s uh, when they played against France. Unfortunately, a 3-1 loss, but... Man, it was a lovely first-time finish with his left foot into the bottom corner after Mano, who's a big, big, big talent for the United Manchester United setup. You know, Cozier Dewsbury is a little undersized. Obviously, he's very young. He'll grow. But he's a very interesting tactical profile uh, in terms of his size and strengths for what he can do. Uh, unfortunately, he only played in one of the matches for the under-17s. Didn't feature in the 2-0 loss to Luxembourg. Uh, that England would have needed to win to qualify for the under-17 European Championships, so they won't have qualified, which is a a little bit embarrassing. But Luxembourg, um, if you follow Jesse Kulig on Twitter, you know he's been saying they're kind of finally finding their footing in youth setups. And you may start to see some prospects coming out of Luxembourg for the first time ever in their history. Obviously a tiny, tiny country, not a huge pool of players to come from, but one of their biggest wins in their youth history uh, beating the England under 17s 2 0. Another, you know, player who's impressed greatly this season and made great strides for the under 23s, and a player who's trained with the senior team in Arsenal is Jack Henry Francis. And you know, he was put in a difficult position, called up for the Eng- the Ireland under 19s. They're obviously not as talented as the England under 19s who were in their group, nor the Portugal under 19s. And Henry Francis as we discussed last week, is being asked to play in a little bit different role than he's used to, in kind of a pivot, in a 4-4-2. And he struggled a little bit in this second game against Portugal as they lost 4-1. I wasn't able to see the whole match, but as I, from what I could gather, he was kind of a little uncomfortable. Uh, He had to cover a little bit different ground and area than he's used to. But, you know... It's a learning experience, and I think, as we saw in the game against the England under-19s, the Ireland under-19s really put their heart into the game, and they play hard, and they play a physical style. So they brought it to the Portugal under-19s, but just didn't have the technical ability that they have. Uh, And then, after playing two matches in such quick succession, Henry Francis did not start in the 4-0 win against Armenia, but he did come on... Uh, to play the final 21 minutes, and he played in a much deeper position where he was way more comfortable and helped kind of see that game out and control it. So good experience for him to play in a little bit further forward position. Obviously, you know, Arsenal's youth setup has always been about playing players in unfamiliar positions to teach them areas of the game they need to work on. So we love to see that for Henry Francis. A player who we have not talked about at all on this podcast, but one we're now going to keep an eye on, for certain, and I'm sure will be on loan sooner rather than later, but at the very least will be representing his country at higher levels, is Matthias Roberts, who was called up to the Wales under-18 side. He played as Wales beat Finland 4-2. He's really starting to impress at Hill End, as he's gotten three goal contributions in his last four starts. He's an interesting profile because 
He's really an attacking midfielder and kind of, I would say, at this age, similar to the way Marcelo Flores was in that he was a number 10, but clearly had the athletic ability to play a little bit wider and kind of explore more open areas of the game. And he can also drop a little deeper. He he played some central midfield last season at Hale End uh, for the under-18 sides, and He's one to keep an eye on. I mean, I don't know that he'll make that step to the under-23s at any point this season in Halen. I'm just not sure there's room for him. Obviously, there are a lot of players in that setup right now, and there just isn't a lot of game time to be shared, and that's why so many were sent out on loan. But he's definitely an interesting one to watch next year who will get his opportunity with the under-23s. Obviously, the likes of George Lewis likely to run out their contracts this year and other players. So Roberts is really one to just keep an eye on and obviously a a great experience for him to represent his side for the second time and he hopes to continue to get those call-ups as international breaks come and potentially, you know, play for Wales in the future. A player who is already playing for their senior team and obviously you know when I talk about every single week is Daniel Ballard who I was surprised didn't get to start both of their international friendlies. I know I got a little slack on that on Twitter from some Northern Ireland fans, but, I mean, do you really need to see Craig Cathcart and Johnny Evans play together every time Northern Ireland has an international friendly? I mean, those guys are both 32 or older. I mean, Cathcart's a freaking old man. But nonetheless, it is what it is. That's how the setup is. I would be playing my promising young center back who's had a hell of a season in the championship as much as possible for my country, but that that's just me. Uh, But Ballard, as I said, did not feature uh, against Luxembourg in the 3-1 win for Northern Ireland, but he did play 82 minutes in a 1-0 loss to Hungary, and it was good experience because they played in a back four. Uh, He's used to playing in a back five. He still played in the right center back role in a back four, but Ballard has played the entire season in a back five. That's what he played mostly in previous loans. So it's good for him to get that experience, more ground to cover, less help, in the middle. You have to really watch your runners. You don't have that extra center back to pass him off to. And the goal that they gave up was had nothing to do with him. Uh, one of the midfielders tried to pass it back to the goalie and basically mishit it. And they gave up a free goal to Hungary. But, you know, Ballard did what he does best. He's a low block genius. And with the likes of Craig Cathcart as your center back pairing, you're obviously not playing a high line. So that was to Ballard's um, positivity. And, you know, he'll continue to represent Northern Ireland. I think he's kind of undroppable. I think their best center back pairing is him and Johnny Evans for sure. Just to be clear, I wasn't saying anything bad about Johnny Evans. He's very reliable. Him and Ballard would make a great pairing. Ballard, although much younger, not known for his pace either. So, they, you know, they're going to play that lower block with him in there. And, you know, it's too bad they obviously didn't qualify for the World Cup. Not, not highly surprising in any way, shape, or form, but... Great to see Ballard representing his senior team at this age, and you know he will be for a lifetime now, and that's great to have as many players coming out of your academy who are doing that, because that just makes his value that much higher. It's just true. When you have international experience, these kinds of things get factored into transfer values, and for Ballard, he has that. One last Hale End player who got to represent their country is Omari Benjamin, who was called up for the Wales under-17 squad, and he scored the second goal in a 4-2 loss for the Wales under-17 to Serbia. Uh, He made it 2-2 at the time, and Wales went on to lose, but 
Big for him, his first goal for the Wales under-17, and, and a huge moment for him and his family. Obviously, a player we'll be watching in the future. He's only just turned 16 a couple months ago, but one that you'll probably see play with the under-18s next season uh, at Hale End. So a very exciting player and one I've heard quite a bit about. So I'm excited to see what he can do, and you know, congrats to him for the goal. That's all the players who played internationally. Obviously, some of the lower leagues continue to play club football during the international break. Uh, as we mentioned, Brooke Norton Cuffey did miss a match with Lincoln. Uh, somebody who, a couple of players we had playing were Matt Smith, who played 75 minutes against Charlton in a 1-0 loss. And, you know, he had to play a little deeper than you would have expected. You know, Charlton kind of outplayed Doncaster in this one, and they pressed high. They kept the pressure sustained. They had tr- Doncaster had trouble playing out from the back. And Matt Smith was picking the ball up in much deeper areas areas, and had to do a lot more defensive work. Um, he actually distributed the ball quite well, especially long passes, trying to find his forward and trying to help Doncaster play out from the back. Um, so it was nice to see him have a good game doing that. Uh, it's a different role than he's used to playing, a little bit deeper than he's used to playing. But unfortunately, he was not able to create much in the final third as Doncaster basically had no real scoring opportunities all match. The last Hale End player who featured is Nikolai Moeller, who played 90 minutes at striker in a nil-nil draw with Venlo. It wasn't his worst game. It wasn't his best game. It's really kind of an interesting situation with him because I'm not really seeing all the things I was seeing when he was playing for the under-23s with Arsenal. He's not being that aggressive player in the box. He's not really trusting either himself or his teammates. That's the thing I'm not sure about. He didn't have a bad game. I mean, he had two shots on target, which means he's getting involved. This game, you actually, I could watch. Not every game uh, in the second division in the Netherlands is easy to watch. This one, fortunately, I was able to watch. And he did well. He won four out of seven aerial duels. I mean, his ability to be an outlet, let alone any scoring ability, is just huge for a team at this level. I mean, not every team has that. You, you see it a lot uh, in the lower levels in England. They'll have a huge target, man, just so you can help play out from the back and not get stuck in so poorly. Um, he also had a great game passing the ball. He, you know, 17 and 24 passing the ball. Oftentimes, he's kind of isolated up there, so there's not always someone for him to look for. He's got to kind of force it in, trying to make his wingers make runs in behind. Not so worried about all that. What I'm worried about is that he seems a half-step late on those runs that strikers need to be making to create goals for themselves, right? So there were twice in this game the right winger had gotten to the byline to make that cross for a near post run, and both times Muller did get on the end of it, but he was a half step late, so he wasn't able to either get his head to it or get his foot to it. He kind of had to stick a foot out and just hope for the best. You'll get goals that way, no problem. But those were both goal-scoring opportunities if he's making that run fully committed. What I think's going on is he doesn't believe that service is going to come. There were a few times in this match where he was visibly frustrated that service didn't come. When that starts happening, you start to get a little bit wary of your energy levels and trying to kind of protect yourself from making these runs that you're never going to get service for. So that's what I think's happening. And obviously later in the game, the more tired you get, that's going to continue to happen. But if you're going to be a striker, and for him specifically... He needs to be making those aggressive runs and the goals will come because that's really the last part for him. That's the last piece of the puzzle. This has not been a great year for him out on loan. He's going to need to really prove himself these last 
couple of months, get a couple more goals. You know, we had those goals and assists come a couple weeks ago. Now it's kind of cooled off. It's unfortunate because he's the kind of player who needs technically skilled players around him, and he just hasn't had that all season. It seems like a lone move was best going into the season because he needed to work on his physical abilities and kind of see if he could adapt to the senior game. But it hasn't gone to plan. I'm expecting him to come back and potentially stay with Arsenal for the first six months to get his confidence back up and then maybe go out for a winter loan next year. Obviously, all that can change. It's very early, but that would be my expectation. Uh, The last piece of good news is Harry Clark has returned to training for Ibernian for the first time since his loan move there. As we've spoken about, that is a loan with a buy option that we believe is going to be had. Not sure Harry Clark will come back to Arsenal, but still good news for him, good news for the club. Obviously, if he never played for them, the buy option is less likely to be taken. So, great news for Harry. Hopefully, he bangs with Hibernian when he gets back, and hopefully he doesn't see what's happening with Tim Akinola happen to him in the Scottish League. Well, that's your week. It was fun to cover some international stuff. First time we're doing that on the podcast. I got to watch a lot more youth international football than I've watched previously, and I found it's a little bit more of a struggle than it is to watch even the lowest leagues in England. So, you know, sorry if there wasn't quite as much discussion on some of these players because, quite frankly, there just wasn't video coverage of it. And, you know, I'm doing the best I can, but it was great to, you know, follow up on these guys and and see them continue to progress through the ranks, especially the young English players because the young England setup right now is just so ripe with talent and so many of them are, are coming from Arsenal. So... That's going to be that for this week, and we'll see you next week.